Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G Other Voices, a pre-recorded presentation to air on September 20th, 2023. The first clip is from Mike Adams discussing a shocking science paper. That's his term for it. Explaining how 5G signals can unleash kill vector payloads in the human body. This accusation has been around for a bit and explained in different ways, but this presentation is based on science that has been developed and provides specific details on how lethal payloads can be taken into the body and then activated by 5G or even uh, cell phone signals. I agree with Mike, the science seems to be available. He has an extensive science lab and will try to research the subject further. But the key to this is graphene oxide. Now the good news is that Dr. Lee Merritt believes the graphene oxide is likely being purged and eliminated from the body. This is just something else we should be aware of but perhaps not worried about. Hopefully someday, soon. <laughs> we will find the truth. The second clip is another Mike Adams presentation where he interviews Dick Russell on his new book entitled The Real RFK Jr. I am including this clip because it provides a snapshot of history from the perspective of a child whose father, Robert, and Uncle John F. Kennedy were both assassinated. The discussion touches on the assassinations and the battle for democracy. The third clip is with Seth Polhouse from the Man in America station, interviewing an ex-Illuminati, Leo Zagami. This is a clip of the interview where Zagami confirms the agenda we have been uncovering that is dark and dangerous. It is always good to see another affirmation that our awakening is very, very real. So I hope you find these informative and um, appreciate you listening. Be safe. Here we go. Okay, I am trying to get a grip on everything that's happening today. This is Brighton Broadcast News for Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Mike Adams here. Thank you for joining me. A bombshell exclusive story that I have been working on for many hours on natural news. And here's the headline, at least the headline uh, that I'm working with. You can, you can check the website. It'll be published by the time you hear this. Uh, 5G remote kill vector. Science paper reveals cell phone signals can activate the release of biological payloads from graphene oxide molecules that are introduced into the body. Uh, this is the feature story for today, and I'm going to go through this with you. It is extraordinary. 
Uh, I was sent two science papers by a contact source of mine that had this information. I followed up. I read the papers, and it, my mind is just blown. Basically, it means that cell phone signals from 5G towers can remotely activate the release of chemical or biological payloads that are held by graphene oxide molecules inside the body. And that this can be done, of course, you know, remotely without anybody's knowledge. And there are all kinds of different payloads that can be uh, carried by graphene oxide. So if you've been wondering, is it theoretically possible for 5G cell towers to broadcast some kind of a signal that can activate a massive kill switch among people who have already been inoculated with graphene oxide? Uh, the answer is that, yes, it is plausible, and I'm going to go through it here in this broadcast with the, the actual scientific studies, the published papers, uh, the evidence, and, and you can check out more details with the links and everything at naturalnews.com. It's an extraordinary story, and it's all true. Let's jump into the main story here. And I, I did kind of put this off. I apologize. Here it is. Uh, let me read you the headline again. The 5G remote kill vector. Science paper reveals that cell phone signals can activate the release of biological payloads from graphene oxide molecules introduced into the body. I may rephrase that headline a little bit. Uh, essentially, he here's the story. A new science paper that's published in Materials Today Chemistry, it reveals that cell phone signals can be used to cause graphene oxide to deploy a molecular payload inside the body. Uh, in other words, it's called a remotely controlled electro-responsive on-demand nanotherapy, if you want to know how that's described in the paper. Now, this paper talks about drug delivery. They were testing this technology with aspirin and a cancer drug. And so the idea in medicine is that they could give a patient you know, graphene oxide with cancer drugs in it, and then they could you know, somehow get the graphene oxide to go to the cancer tumors. I don't know, maybe they combine it with, you know, sucrose or something because tumors love sugar. And then once they're at the cancer tumors, then they, you know, they dial up the phone beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, and zap it, you know, hit, do the command. And this causes a, a voltage uh, event to saturate the human body. And the, the voltage causes, you know, even, very minor voltage causes the graphene oxide to release the payload. And then boom, all the cancer drugs are delivered to the cancer tumor. And now we have like targeted chemo, right? That that's what the, the, the biomedical industry wants to use this for. But you and I know that the medical institutions, at least in the West are actually murder systems. They are using all their technology to try to exterminate humankind. That's why they banned ivermectin and murdered people in the hospitals. We've been through all that. I mean, the vaccines are biological weapons designed to achieve depopulation. You know that. So what if the vaccines contain graphene oxide? And many researchers claim that they do. You've probably seen many experts out there and people talking about maybe some laboratory microscopy or other kinds of tests or, you know, uh, scanning electron microscopes. And they're talking about graphene oxide in the vaccines. 
what if this graphene oxide is carrying a payload, a payload that has not yet been activated, but that can be activated from 5G towers broadcasting a signal? So in this article that I'm, where I'm covering this on naturalnews.com, I talk about 5G signals, and I quote an article by Dr. Joseph Mercola that was published in Children's Health Defense. It shows that 5G cell signal radiation absolutely causes biological and chemical changes inside the human body because it subjects the human body to voltage. In other words, microcurrent underneath the skin, inside the tissues, inside the blood. And Dr. Mercola writes the following, persistent exposures to microwave frequencies like those from cell phones can cause mitochondrial dysfunction and nuclear DNA damage from free radicals produced from peroxynitrite. So peroxynitrites are molecules that are, that are extremely dangerous free radicals that cause this chromosomal damage. And it's why cell phones and Wi-Fi networks have been linked to uh, heart problems, anxiety, depression, autism, Alzheimer's, infertility, and many other things. Now, we know that radio frequency microwave radiation causes these voltage changes inside the body's cells because of the work of a PhD in biochemistry, Dr. Martin Paul, P-A-L-L. He's at Washington State University, and his research reveals that microwave radiation from mobile devices causes voltage changes inside the body's cells, which activate what are called voltage-gated calcium channels or VGCCs. Now, let, let me back up and explain this. So your cell membranes determine the permeability or the selective permeability of what goes into your cells and what is expelled out of your cells. If the cell membranes don't do their job correctly, you die because cells can very quickly be overloaded with toxins or they could fail to expel waste, for example. So there are specific channels. There are like potassium channels, and as you probably know from COVID, uh, zinc channels and zinc ionophores that potentiate the uh, zinc transmission across cell membranes. But there are also things called calcium channels. You've probably heard of like calcium channel blockers from mainstream medicine. But voltage-gated calcium channels are... Calcium channels that are highly susceptible to changes in ambient voltage. In other words, microcurrent within the cells alters the permeability sele selectively of calcium ions. Calcium is extremely toxic if it comes into your cells in much higher saturations than what is normal. So this is a case where, I mean, yeah, calcium is a macro mineral that is essential for human health, just as magnesium is. And calcium has all sorts of important functions, you know, for heart health and bone health and even neurological function and so on. But calcium is also toxic if the concentration becomes too high inside the cell. Well, when you're subjected to 5G cell phone radiation, the voltage changes alter the voltage-gated calcium channels, the VGCCs in your body, and it causes then the enhanced permeability selectively of calcium ions 
They move into your cells and then they, they poison your cells. And this is caused by, you know, electromagnetic fields. And this is what is believed to cause the detrimental EMF effects. And as Dr. Martin Paul explains, uh, 23 studies have shown that voltage-gated calcium channels produce these effects and other EMF effects. Furthermore, the voltage-gated properties of these channels may provide biophysically plausible mechanisms for EMF biological effects. Uh, in other words, you know, 5G cell, cell phone radiation can absolutely mess with your calcium channels and it, it can poison your cells. Now, there is, I mentioned this yesterday, there is a substance known as superoxide dismutase enzyme, also known as SOD, which is found in melon fruit, by the way, in very low concentrations, crazy low. It, you can buy this SOD in a, a bulk powder. It's crazy expensive. It's thousands of dollars a kilo. I mentioned this yesterday. It's, it's like more expensive than cocaine per gram. Uh, but SOD is extremely powerful at counteracting the peroxynitrite uh, free radicals that can damage your body. And so SOD is found in certain nutritional supplements, including our own supplement that we call 5G Defense, which is just, it's a new supplement that we have available, I think just in the last week at healthrangerstore.com. It's a powder and you can blend it into any smoothie you want. It goes great in like fruit mixes and other kinds of smoothies. It, it doesn't have a crazy taste at all. Again, it's extracted from melons. And we, we put in some minerals in there like selenium and things that, that actually help uh, synergistically. But even this substance, SOD, it doesn't block radiation. So it doesn't block the voltage event that's happening in your body. You know, the SOD, the superoxide dismutase, simply blocks the peroxynitrites or counteracts them in a natural way. You know, it helps, helps your body naturally deal with stresses from the free radical production, which takes place in your body upon exposure to cell phone radiation, according to the research of Dr. Paul and, and others. You know, 23 studies, he said. Oh, and by the way, uh, French regulators have issued a warning to Apple demanding that Apple stop selling the iPhone 12 because the iPhone 12 emits excessive radiation, according to the government of France. And this was reported by Reuters. So, so Apple's phone, again, the iPhone 12 exceeds the allowable legal limit of radiation. And yet this phone has been sold since 2020. So if you've had an iPhone 12, you have been living with illegal levels of radiation, according to the French government. And the French government is about to issue, uh, to demand a total recall of all iPhone 12 phones in the nation of France. If Apple doesn't somehow solve this problem, I'm not sure how they're going to solve this problem since it's a hardware problem. I mean, I don't think you could just like flash an update to it and suddenly the radiation is less, you know, <laughs> it's not, not good. 
But here, here's the point in all of this. Let me connect the dots for you. So we know that graphene oxide can carry payloads of drugs or even it could be chemical weapons, such as nerve agents. We know that graphene oxide, according to many people, can be introduced into vaccines. It doesn't mean it's in every vaccine or every shot, but it can be present in vaccines. A typical vaccine injection is 500 microliters of, of volume well, or half a mil, half a milliliter. Same thing as 500 microliters. So in that 500 microliters, you can fit a lot of mass of a toxic nerve agent, more than enough to kill a person if it were released in the blood. Well, what if it's held as a payload inside graphene oxide and it's circulating in people's bodies? Well, then, according to this research that we've written up in this story that's on naturalnews.com if you want to check it out, according to the research, a remote cellular signal can cause graphene oxide to deploy the payload, which would release, theoretically, if it were you know a nerve agent or something or a chemical weapon, it would release the chemical weapon inside the body of every person who had, had this weaponized graphene oxide in their body. And in essence, this is a very plausible scenario. If this were activated, it could be a kill switch where the 5G towers broadcast a signal that causes millions of people, especially in the cities where the 5G towers have their reach, and that's where their saturation is, millions of people to drop dead within seconds. I mean, how long does VX nerve gas take you know, to function or, or similar nerve agents? Uh, just seconds, and then people die. So, in other words... We now understand the mechanism, and we have the links to the scientific papers, the published papers. We understand the mechanism by which graphene oxide can be used as a chemical weapons payload delivery system. It can be surreptitiously hidden in vaccines or COVID swabs or even in pharmaceuticals or potentially in food. And it can be ingested and taken into people's bodies, and there it may stay. I mean, this is all theoretical. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have absolute proof that this is what's happening, but it's plausible. Now, it's not some wild-eyed, you know, far-fetched theory. This is the state of the art of current medical science. I've published a story on this with links to the scientific articles if you want to read it yourself. And... Uh, in essence, what it means is it is plausible for this kind of a weapon system to have been implanted or inoculated into people's bodies awaiting activation via 5G towers. That is, that is a plausible scenario. Now, there's something else that you also need to know about this. And I'm, I want to thank my sources for sending me the studies on this uh, of course, I'm not going to give out their names because they need to protect their identities. But I was sent a second study that talks about how graphene oxide can transmit gigahertz signals to nearby receivers. So not only can graphene oxide deliver a payload upon receiving 5G cell signals, 
But at the same time, depending on its configuration, graphene oxide can also transmit gigahertz signals. And this is backed up by uh, a study that was published in Applied Physics Letters, by the way, in 2010. And it's called Radio Frequency Characteristics of Graphene Oxide. And we link to that study. We show you the charts. We show how that can actually happen. Now then, there's one other thing. Another source of mine sent me a video. And this is the one that really freaked me out. Sent me a video of some pharmaceuticals that have black ink printed on the side of each capsule. And the black ink... If you look at it, you know, under a microscope, the black ink is printing like a lot number, you know, basically like tracking information about this specific capsule, you know, like a serial number. Well, you're not going to believe this. So this person uh, dissolved the, the capsules of this pharmaceutical in a glass of water. And I don't know, should I... I don't have permission to share this video with you, so I'm not going to yet, but I'm going to check and see if I can share this video with you maybe tomorrow. But he dissolves the capsules in water. The black ink that's printed on the side of the capsules comes off of the capsules. So the black ink then somehow, for whatever reason, it separates from the capsules and it forms these really tiny black specks that are floating in the water. So it didn't disperse like, like ink, the way you think ink would just disperse like a cloud and then it, 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 it vanishes in the water. No, this quote ink came off the pharmaceutical tablets and it became black specks in the water. You know what? I'm, I am, I'm going to share with you a photo, a, a still shot from this. Because you, you have to see this. No, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the video for you. You got to see it. You got to see the video. I'm just going to play like 20 seconds of it. Uh, check this out. I'm going to narrate it. All right, so here's what he does. He takes a magnet. And the black specks that came off the capsules are leaping to the magnet. See that? See what's happening there? So the magnet, I mean, these are magnetic black speck particles that, that used to be the ink on the side of the capsules. All right, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> how, how shocking is that? And then I was wondering, you know, is, is graphene oxide magnetic? And because graphene oxide is only made of carbon. And typically you know in the field of of science and atomic elements you know we don't we don't think of carbon as being magnetic but it turns out that you can make carbon magnetic and there's a story actually out of livescience.com and the headline is rare magnetism found in the world's strongest material and the subhead is strange things happen when you stack and twist graphene turns out that if you take three layers of graphene and you layer them you know, one upon another, but you alter the um, the rotational angle of some of the layers, then it actually creates magnetic graphene oxide. It makes them 
magnetic. And so you could actually create little black specks of magnetic graphene oxide made out of just carbon, and it could still be absolutely uh, magnetic. So I'm not saying that that's for sure what this is with these capsules. We don't, we don't know for sure what this stuff is, but we know it's magnetic, and we know that graphene oxide can be magnetic, and that's, that's freaky. And look, it also begs the question, why is the ink on the side of these pharmaceuticals, why is the ink coming off in black specks that are magnetic? Why would ink be magnetic? Seriously. I mean, I've never even heard of why. I mean, unless you, for some reason, need a magnetic ink. I mean, why would you use ink on a, on a pharmaceutical that people swallow that was magnetic. Are there, are there elements in this? Is there iron in it? Or is it, is it graphene oxide? Is it a payload? Weapon system? I don't know. But this raises some eyebrows. To see this, that is not normal. So we're going to take a closer look at this. Fortunately, as you know, I have a very high-end laboratory microscope and we're going to get these little black flecks under that microscope pretty soon and we're going to see what we what we can find what is this stuff and we also of course we have elemental analysis you know icpms instruments in our lab and so if we if we can get enough of this material we're going to need you know some amount of it we're going to need like 0.25 grams or something if we can get that much if we can get a quarter gram of this, then we can do an ICP analysis and we can figure out the elemental composition. And we can determine whether it's all just straight carbon or if it has iron or other you know, more common elements in it, aluminum, what have you. But have you ever heard of this before? Did you know the ink on the side of the pharmaceuticals is magnetic? Why? What is going on here, folks? So uh, somebody uh, make sure Todd Callender is aware of this article and this video. I'm sure, I'm sure it confirms a lot of the research that he has done and the things that he's talking about. And anybody else who you think might be interested in this, I mean, we've all heard for a long time that, you know, maybe 5G towers could be a weapon system. But I never saw the details of an actual plausible mechanism by which that could happen. You know, I mean, it's easy to say all oh, 5G towers are a weapon system, but how would it work? You know, that's the question I always have about lots of things. People tell me something like, oh, this thing does that. I'm like, well, how does it work? And, you know, if, they, if there's not, not a plausible explanation of how it works, then I'm not likely to believe it, you know? Somebody says 5G towers might be a kill switch, just kill everybody. You know, previously I was like, well, how, how would that work? And nobody really explained it. Now this explains it. We know exactly how that can work. It can cause the payload delivery of graphene oxide that's carrying uh, deadly chemical weapons inside people's bodies, and the vaccines could have been used to introduce those. I'm not saying that we know for sure that that's what has happened, but I am saying it is plausible the technology exists, it's been documented and published in peer-reviewed science journals. But, of course, 
the average oblivious person will have no idea of any of this. They're still listening to Kathy Hochul and taking the new vaccine because the old one won't help you anymore. Take the new one. You know, man, (laughs) it really is a global IQ test at this point. All right. So that's the bulk of the story. I I summarize it. If you want the details and the links and everything, just go to naturalnews.com and it's, it should be the top story there. At least it's the most recent story that I've authored. And I've got, some diagrams and and, uh, art from the scientific studies and everything that you need there. Check it out. It's it's a hard-hitting story. Before we begin this clip of the uh, RFK Jr. book, I thought I'd take a minute here and uh, just read you a little bit about it. This comes from the uh, Amazon. The real RFK Jr. is an intimate biographical portrait examining the controversial artist's journey from anguish and addiction to becoming the country's leading environmental champion, fighting government corruption, corporate greed, and a captured media. Written by his long-time colleague Dick Russell, the biography also exposes the misconceptions and explains the rationale behind Kennedy's campaign to protect public life. Provided exclusive source material, including access to Kennedy's unpublished writings and personal journals, the author conducted dozens of interviews with him as well as numerous friends and associates. Russell delves into everything from Kennedy's sometimes death-defying river rafting adventures to his pioneering legal cases against polluters such as Smithfield Foods and Monsanto. Well, while founding the world's largest water protection group. The Real FK also examines Kennedy's pursuit of the truth about the assassination of his uncle and father, the wrongful murder, conviction of his cousin, and the false narratives around the COVID pandemic. So that that gives you a little bit of an idea about the book that we're about to hear about from the author... And from uh, Mike Adams. Here we go. Welcome to today's interview on Brighteon.com. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighteon. And today we are joined by author Dick Russell, who's the, he's a New York Times bestselling author. And he's the author of the new book that's just come out called The Real RFK Jr. Trials and uh, Trials of a Truth Warrior. Excuse me. It's available on Amazon.com and other booksellers as well. Uh, Mr. Russell, thank you for joining me today, and uh, I, I really look forward to this interview to ask you what you learned and what you've written about RFK Jr. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Good to be with you today. It's great to have you on. Now, uh, tell us just a bit. I mean, the book has just come out. It's from Skyhorse Publishing. Uh, that's the publisher. You're the author. Uh, how 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 did this come to be, and how were you able to put this together? It seems so quickly. Well, I started it a year ago in the summer, which was long before Bobby came out and said he was going to run for president. I've known him for uh, more than 20 years. <clears throat> we, we first met around environmental issues. Uh, one was uh, I was doing a book called Eye of the Whale, which was about the gray whales in uh, Baja, Mexico, that uh, were being threatened, their habitat, where they come to have their young every year by a big industrial salt works that Mitsubishi and the Mexican government were planning to build there. And, and Bobby was involved as an environmental lawyer for the Natural Resources Defense Council, 
and both he and I would go there. We're, we're there visiting the, the whales. I mean, if anybody's ever, ever never done this, it's an amazing experience at Laguna San Ignacio. You you go and you're actually petting whales in the wild. Wow. You know? <laughs> oh. And the mothers are introducing their babies, and it's just, you know, it's an incredible, uh, otherworldly, actually, experience. And so that's where I met him, uh, was around that. And then uh, both he and I were, were sports fishermen, and I had uh, uh, written a book called Striper Wars uh, in 2005 about the fight to save the Atlantic striped bass. He was very involved with the same fish, uh, working to, to curb the pollution on the Hudson River, which he was very successful at. So that was really the beginning of our of our relationship was around the environment and and then we just had a lot of other things in common uh, over over time and worked on some other projects together and and then uh, after his book the real Anthony Fauci came out and uh, he was being just vilified by the major media as a lot of people know I mean this had been going on for some time but but you know he was being labeled anti-vaxxer and conspiracy theorist and wacko crazy uh and i had known this guy for a long time and i knew what he'd accomplished and i thought you know this is really wrong and and something when my when skyhorse tony lyons came to me and and said you know some people had been suggesting that maybe there should be a biography of, of bobby written uh and he said i know you're really busy which i was but you know i felt yeah I, I'm, I'm the guy the right guy to do this because wow i know him really well and and uh and I feel like I can, you know, so he basically opened a lot of doors for me. I mean, it, this was not a, and as told to, per se, you know, it was not something that I ghost wrote. It was, I had the independence of a biographer uh, to write the truth as I saw it about this individual. And so I traced his whole life. He sat, but he gave me access to his, his private journals in some cases. Oh, uh, wow. Through the years, which was pretty great, you know, and, and he also opened doors to, to interview um, uh, friends of his and acquaintances. And so I, I set out on this trail and, and suddenly, you know, a few months ago, it took on a whole nother dimension because I was writing a book, a biography of a, of a presidential candidate, which <laughs> right. I had not expected to do when I started this project. Well, he's, uh, uh, l- l- let me ask you a, a question right up front though. Just, I- I'm sure the audience is asking this. Now, and just to be clear, you know, I consider RFK Jr. to be an American hero, a real treasure to this nation. Uh, even, even though I, I may not politically agree with him on certain issues, it's, it's, it's so far beyond that. His, the, the man he is transcends politics, and, and yeah. that's, that's what's extraordinary about him. But our audience might be asking, is it possible that your coverage of him has been shaded or or biased by your friendship with him and that it might have caused you to gloss over uh, perhaps mistakes he made or or legitimate criticisms against him in the past. Is that an issue that ha- has come up? Well, I've, I've really done my best to not fall into that trap. I mean, uh, Bobby's been through some very tough stuff in his life, and I knew going in, and so did he, that I couldn't just gloss over that, that you know, it had to be talked about um, to some degree anyway, um, along with his, his successes. Uh, he had some failures, and especially in his, in his early years, you know, he was not surprisingly traumatized by the death of first his uncle, yes. and then his father, who was assassinated when he was only 50, he just turned 15. So it was a really hard time for him. I mean, yes. traumatic. 
of the whole family, of course, but he was a particularly vulnerable uh, young age, you know, to to go through that. And he went through a, a, a it was a, a time of rebellion anyway in the 1960s at that point. But he was like he went out. You know, there was one summer he just took off. And uh, I guess it was the summer of 69. Might have been 1970. I forget now. But uh, he just he just took off and began went out there and lived with bums. You know, he rode freight trains with hobos and and went to Haight Ashbury in San Francisco and and uh, you know nobody really even knew where he was and wow. uh, he wanted it that way. So I chronicle that too because you know he he also learned a lot. I think that was the way I see it is that was sort of the beginning of his. Uh, real connection to to he'd always loved animals and he yes he was growing up he wanted to be a veterinarian and you know and his parents encouraged that and and uh but you know i think he was able to connect in those early years of of after the tragedy to um to just regular people you know starting with bums you know and uh, on the freights and then going to latin america he had a mentor a really amazing guy uh named lem billings who uh, had been his uncle JFK's best friend all the way back to when they were in school together at Choate in the 1930s. And after uh, the death of, of, of his father, uh, Lem took Bobby under his wing and, uh, and, and took him to a ranch in Colombia that he had and, and other parts of Latin America to introduce him to, to people, again, who had very little, you know, the campesinos. Um, and, and Bobby just loved being there, loved being with these people. And, and so he was able to connect, you know, the, the positive side of, of what happened to him at that age was that he was able to connect to uh, to folks like that. At the same time, he was going through a, a crisis of addiction, which went on for a long time. And, you know, he and I sat down and, and talked about this, uh, what, how to address this. He didn't want to avoid it. In fact, he found that being an AA, which he went into in 1983, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, was a was a huge turning point in his life that he continued to honor and respect, and he still goes to meetings to this day, wow. and he's he's helped a lot of people. I mean, literally hundreds of people with you know similar problems that that he worked through in order to become you know an environmental lawyer and advocate. He's always struck me as someone who's very compassionate, very very human, really cares about other human beings, and that's you know that that's something that I I feel like. I really resonate with him on that point um, and, and even caring for animals and their habitat. And it just, just so that you know where I'm coming from in the audience, you know, I'm, I'm a pro second amendment, pro firearms person uh, and I own lots of firearms and I've never shot an animal and mm-hmm. I do not hunt because I can't, I, uh, my compassion, even wild hogs on my ranch in Texas, I say hello to them. I don't shoot them which mm. is very different from a lot of other people who tend to have firearms in places like Texas. But I've always had that empathy for other conscious beings, whether they might be a wild hog, which has a family, has a memory, has consciousness, has a, a first hog perspective, you could say, not first person, but first hog perspective. And I feel like when I'm talking to, to Bobby, that he, he has this empathy, this, this love for humanity and for our planet and for the animals. And it just exudes from him. And I, I feel like with, with so many people out there in the political spectrum who don't seem to give a damn about their fellow human being, nor animals, nor habitat, nor the ocean, the microplastics, pollution, heavy metals, whatever, 
Bobby Kennedy just really stands out as someone who cares deep. It's not, and it's not a slogan. It's not an act. It's yeah. who he is. Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely true. That's the guy that I know too. And, you know, he's learned a lot. I mean, he's a falconer, you know, I've been on a, went on a falconing expedition with him one time and he, he does these a lot. He takes people out into the wild and, and, uh, Falconing is an ancient sport, you know, where you, you train the birds to, to the, that they'll come to you and land on your arm. And and uh, he's been doing that for a long, long time and has this real passion for 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 birds, you know, and, and as well as animals. And and he had a whole uh, menagerie when he was when he was growing up and and had a pet lion cub uh, that he received, uh, which was what was the name, the nickname of it. It was it was it was like bad boy. That was the name of his lion cub. <laughs> he was given to him by a friend of his father's, the TV talk show host, uh, Jack Parr, brought it back from Africa, and he and he raised this lion cub. Wow. Till it got bigger, and then you know they they had to finally give it away. But but uh, you know so he he's uh, it's real in him. I mean his love for the outdoors, but he also says uh, and has made a point of saying this in many speeches that. You know, we're not really we're not just saving the birds and the bees and the animals, you know, for the, their sake, but it's it's for how they enrich us, how, right. how the you know the feeling that that exists between you know man and beast, man and bird, and and so I, that's a real thing in him, and and it's it's made working on environmental issues and and public health issues too, you know, something that's from the heart and the gut. I mean, he is uh, he's a guy who. He's got a lot of courage, and yeah. he learned a lot of that, you know, whitewater rafting these wild rivers in, in uh, Latin America and, and later in Canada. He'd take people out on these expeditions, which I write about in the book, too, to some degree, you know, that that were, could be <laughs> quite scary yeah. uh, with waterfalls and, you know, major you know, sinkholes, householes that you fall could fall into. And, and, and there were a couple times when uh, he was lucky to have survived that. Yes. And, and and but it was uh, so yeah I mean the Kennedy thing right is is you, you test yourself and and you you take risks and you learn the importance of that as well as the conversations at the dinner table where you learn how to debate and and argue out points and all of that of course served him in good stead when he became a, a lawyer later on. Let, let me just mention to people. Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, but um, I want to mention there's an audiobook version available also. So yeah. if you go on Amazon.com or Audible.com, there's an audiobook. There's a Kindle version, and then there's the uh, the hard copy coming yep. all coming out. Um, perhaps, yeah. It, perhaps out. by the time they're out. Okay. So when when people see this interview, it should be available. I mean, there's only going to be a one day delay. And I also want to mention that um, Kennedy24.com is the website for uh, if you want to make a campaign donation to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And it's critical to do so if you want to, to do so before July 1st. Let me just bring that up. Kennedy24.com. Uh, make a donation before July 1st because I think that's a, that's a milestone uh, uh, reporting day for the Federal Elections Commission. And join his email list as well. Here, here you see Reclaim Democracy, email, phone number, name, and zip, and, and right there you can you can join his campaign. Now, uh, he he has not, of course, been offered large money from uh, probably the pharmaceutical companies or the oil companies or the pesticide companies or any of these other big companies. So 
That tells you something, doesn't it, Dick? I mean, that, that RFK Jr. is not owned by corporate America, is he? He sure is not. You know, he's, he's if anything, uh, he is a danger to certain aspects of corporate America that uh, not all of it. I mean, he's a, he's a free market capitalist is the way he talks about himself. He believes in the free market, um, but he, he, he just uh, doesn't see that that's what's really happening anymore in our country, that it's mostly socialism for the rich. Um, you know, uh, these huge uh, subsidies going to oil and gas and coal companies and and to pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, to, corporate yeah. welfare. It's corporate welfare. It. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there's you know, the definition years ago of, of fascism um, when Mussolini was in power in World War II was a merger of of the state and corporate uh, powers. That's right. And and I, I, my my fear is, and I think his. Is too certainly, and that's what he's fighting for. He's fighting to salvage democracy. Yeah, he, he he's a he's a fighter for democracy and for the middle class, which he's he, he sees as and as disappearing in in this in this country, and the gap between rich and poor becoming wider all the time, and certainly it widened during the pandemic. You know, where I think it's five hundred new billionaires were created, uh, and 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 most many people recently, of course, as far as the lower end of society. Uh, lost their food stamps. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the inequities are huge, and uh, that's what he is out there to to address. And and uh, I, I think we're we're in a desperate time. We really um, are. Yeah, we're seeing the destruction of the middle class. the The middle class American dream is is all but vanished. And the 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 billionaire rich are getting richer and owning more, controlling more, and the poor, the number of poor is growing substantially as uh, the the economic policies, I would call it crony capitalism, is yeah. kind of what's happening right now, is disastrous. And it's it's not only disastrous under, I would say, of course, Joe Biden, but also uh, th- that same trend was taking place under Trump as well. So this is not one party versus another party. This is the structure of our economy. It's not structured in an egalitarian way where real people have a shot. Um can I can I ask you about the the JFK assassination uh, and his his father's assassination as well, and then his uh, well Bobby has said publicly recently that he's he has some fear or I don't know if he used the word fear but he's concerned that they may try to assassinate him if he were to become president and I think that's a legitimate fear. Did you? Uh, talk with him about that or is it in the book at all or, or what what are your thoughts on that subject yeah well it's a it's a big subject i'll start by saying he has really good security and that's by design um and you know i had done i have done three books on the assassination of his uncle first one i published in 1992 so some years before i ever met bobby and i knew a lot about his father's assassination as well i never felt comfortable talking about the fact that I'd even written that book, those books, uh, and when I first got to know him because our relationship was around the environment and I didn't know how, you know, I didn't, I didn't there wasn't anything I wanted from him uh, about that and and I didn't know if he would be comfortable talking about it. And and he wasn't until I think it was uh, 2008 or uh, with, with myself it was like 2013, the 50th anniversary of his uncle's assassination. When he started to want to know, he knew I'd written, found out, I never even talked about it, but he found out that I'd written these books. And so he wanted to know what I knew. And he had read a book uh, by Jim Douglas called JFK and the Unspeakable, 
which was a, it's an incredible book, and it's it's about that era and and the forces responsible for having eliminated uh, his uncle. So he has finally come out recently and and talked very publicly about the fact that uh, he believes, and with good reason, uh, because there's a lot of evidence to support this, that elements of the CIA uh, and um, not the CIA per se, but elements, rogue elements, worked with Cuban exiles and mob figures and people like maybe H.L. Hunt, the Texas oil man who hated Kennedy, uh, to uh, eliminate him in 1963. And then in 68, um, you know, Bobby went to see Sirhan in prison. I don't know how many people know that, but it, it happened just a few years ago. And um, he was advocating, he did advocate for Sirhan's parole, for his release. Sirhan was, as most people know, the accused killer of his father, accused assassin. He was definitely in the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel. He fired shots. But what a lot of people may not realize is that those shots, and there were 13 found in the in the pantry, in the wall, and, and also that hit people. There were only eight bullets in Sirhan's gun. Sirhan was firing from one direction, from the front, and Robert Kennedy was killed from behind. Do you mean the, the capacity of his firearm was only eight rounds? Yes, that was the capacity. Was it Was it a semi-automatic pistol? No. It was a revolver? Yeah, well, it was a revolver. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a revolver. Okay. But, but, so that's the number of bullets that were in it and were found, you know, that, that, that landed somewhere. Okay. And, and there were 13. This was covered up by the LAPD, by the way, for a long time. But um, there was a – what happened that night has never been adequately explained. And the other aspect of this is that Sirhan – to this day, and even at the time, in court back in those days, uh, he, he has no memory of what happened. He doesn't remember going into the pantry. Now, you could say, well, maybe he just has selective amnesia or something, but there there was such a thing going on at that time, and who knows where it is today. But uh, the CIA had a program called MKUltra. It used to be called Project Artichoke before that. I've looked into this pretty extensively, and it was a program designed to yeah, counter the Russians and what they were doing uh, during the Cold War, but also to to figure out could you control human behavior through you, through the use of hypnosis and drugs, right? And could you could you even create assassins doing that? There are records that still exist that show that the CIA was trying to do this in the mid 1950s. Yes. So our, I think our audiences they've all they're all familiar with at least the concept of MK Ultra and that it, it's in fact many documents have been declassified surrounding it. So. Yeah, you're you're on you're on the right track. Um, so Sirhan believes that perhaps he was he was drugged and and set up as a patsy for this, or what, what's he saying? He says he he told Bobby that day in in the in the prison that he said I did not kill your father, and I don't remember what happened. Huh. So that's that's all he knows. Well, he, there was a girl, you know, there was a famous story. I guess I don't, we don't have to go too hard into the weeds on this, but but. Um, there was a girl in a polka dot dress that was seen by others uh, right before Sirhan went into the pantry uh, with him and, and looking like they were giving him a message. So was, was that some kind of trigger word uh, to, uh, to put, get him in the right place at the right time to fire the shots that he would get arrested as the assassin? Right. We don't know. But. Well, I, I, I'm convinced it, it, it was 
especially the assassination of his uncle, uh, of, of JF, President JFK, was uh, a no, no question in my mind that that was a CIA-related operation. And yeah. what, what I think is, is so fascinating and somewhat horrifying about stepping back and realizing where we are now and why RFK Jr.'s uh, attempt at the presidency is so critical for America is because I believe, and I think most of our audience believes, that the United States of America has been a captured regime under, under the control of a deep state cabal since the assassination of JFK. I, I believe the same thing. I, well, I believe that there was a coup d'etat that day that has never been resolved. Um, and the, even though 60, at least 60-some percent of the American people believe there was a conspiracy, and in fact, the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 1970s concluded just the opposite of what the Warren Commission said, was that there was indeed a conspiracy, meaning more than one shooter. Yes. It wasn't just Lee Harvey Oswald, if it was Lee Harvey Oswald at all. And, uh, but, you know, this, the, I think the, there was a cover-up that happened for different reasons. Uh, not everybody was part of this evil cabal, you know, but I believe what happened, and there's pretty good evidence for this, was that Earl Warren, who was in charge of the Warren Commission, put in charge by the new president, Johnson, uh, was told, look, we've we got to just let this rest because Oswald has these ties to the Russians and the Cubans, and, and uh, if, we, if the truth comes out, we're going to have World War III. Now, this was a cover story. I mean, this was not, I'm not saying it's Johnson's cover story, but, but the people who really pulled this off were not Russians or Cubans, but it was made to look that way. Right. And it's, you know, in, in retrospect, first of all, I think a lot of Americans today, after having lived through the Trump years and they've seen the, how the deep state went after Trump and created a fake dossier and so on, all these things. And then the COVID years and all the different shenanigans that, that went on, I think a lot more Americans are willing to take a look back at the past of, of significant events like JFK's assassination with a fresh look and to reconsider the evidence of malfeasance, corruption, cover-ups, what have you, because now people have lived through perhaps parallel examples of uh, government or institutions or rogue elements of government uh, taking away their freedoms and rights and exerting power in a non-democratic way, right? I th I we, yeah, your, your thoughts, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right that, that uh, you know, we, we, had a, we had an event back then that we've never come to terms with as a country, and, and in a sense, it's been a creeping decay ever since. I mean, you know, we've, we've just moved into this uh, uh, now a, a morass where, you know, people can't talk to each other anymore. You're either woke or you're not woke or you're this or you're that, and and there's no there's no civil discourse. There's no I, I mean, we're just in a, in a really desperate state. And I think it began 60 years ago this year. Yeah. And uh, that and that people also are, yeah, are, are really still interested. I've been struck by it. I mean, lots of people I talk to. Um, I'm doing a podcast series uh, for the 60th anniversary with Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien, where it's going to be a 10 part series that really delves into Oh, wow. What really did happen to, to JFK? I would I would love to invite you back on, by the way, just to talk about your your previous work with the JFK assassination. I I was good friends with the late Jim Mars. Yeah, and I knew Jim. Yeah, and and Jim, you know, he was a very methodical researcher and and so on. Dearly missed. Uh, but I would I would love to have you on again to talk about JFK. But let let's bring it back to Robert F Kennedy Jr. right now, uh, if you don't mind. And no, you mentioned how the country is so divided right now. 
One of the things that strikes me about Bobby here is that he's, he brings people together. He's a healer. He, he, and I, you know, I have a lot of conservative leaning friends, obviously, and so many of them want to vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, well, it, I know it's, it's, uh, and they should because he, he is somebody that he's worked. I, I, I spell this out a lot in the book with various chapters. He, he learned very early how to work with, with people that didn't necessarily share all of his views on things. And, uh, so he worked with a with a Republican state upstate senator uh, in New York, a, a farmer that hated him when they first met, and and they learned how to work together to, to help craft the New York Watershed Agreement to protect the water supply for everybody upstate and and in, in New York City. He did it again, you know, a number of times. He he uh, he worked with uh, a Republican businessman uh, in New York in New York State to to stop hydraulic fracturing. Fracking in that in that area because every people realized that it was harming the environment and harming people. So you know he worked with commercial fishermen. He's worked with farmers. I mean he's he for all of his wealth and privilege, which of course he grew up in, uh, he's a regular guy in a lot of ways, and he's fun to be with, and he likes to you know he can he can have a good time with a famous actor like his friend Alec Baldwin or or. Uh, or with the you know the commercial fisherman or the cop you know we worked with on uh, getting stronger environmental laws passed in New York, so I think that's what people are responding to is is that he does give a damn you know he's, yeah. he's somebody who who, who uh, is sincere his, his passion isn't made up he's he's uh and he's not he's not a quitter you know once he he he's like he's a dog on a bone you know with with people with some with issues that he feels are are real. And it doesn't matter, you know, he's, I mean, this whole public health issue, he's lost so many friends and family members have turned against him. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's what's extraordinary. But, you know, to what, what, I, what I love about him is that he has been through what many of us have been through in terms of censorship, of yep. being vilified, falsely accused, smeared uh, through the, the corporate media. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I don't think that, a person is qualified to be the president of this country unless they have been dragged through those experiences as many of us have in independent media, or perhaps that even you might be strongly criticized for writing a book about RFK Jr. Who knows? But we, we all, those of us who, who dare to tell the truth about any issue, or at least the truth as we see it, you know, with, in good faith, as we see it, we are, we are uh, vilified we are deplatformed. We are demonetized. We are we are cast as villains in society. And so, when I see that happening to RFK Jr., it makes me know that he understands the need for debate, for conversation, for freedom of speech. You know, you can't say, "Oh, uh, the 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 consensus is clear in science, uh, and we achieve consensus by banning all dissenting views." You know, that that doesn't work, but that's exactly what's happening today. And Bobby won't put up with that. He he will support freedom of speech because he has been through this. At least that's my understanding. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been going through it now for more than 10 years. You know, I mean, he's he used to be the darling of The New York Times, for example. He could publish an op ed on any environmental issue that was happening. Right. And did many times. And and also much most of the other liberal media, so-called, you know, where. <clears throat> where they would, you know, he'd be on all these shows. He was 
giving lectures all over the country and all over the world, making a very good living doing that. Suddenly it was all gone. He hasn't been able to write an op-ed for the Times or any other big paper, I think, since, I don't know, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And, and he can't even get a letter to the editor published. He can't refute what's being said about him. Yes, His, right. I mean, there's, there's something wrong with this. And now, I mean, all of these articles coming out, it, it's really pretty outrageous what they label him as. I mean, as if the guy's crazy. I mean, you know, he was, I don't know if you saw his talk with Bill Maher the other night. It was really good. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, they were having a great time together, but it was real. You know, they were willing to go at it on certain things and, and, uh, and find common ground. And, and that's what you say. It's all about conversation. It's all about relationships. I mean, that's how you get things done is you, is you forge relationships with people that, you know, you don't always agree with. And, and, and he's capable of, of doing that. And, and, you know, he's in the sense he's a healer. I mean, I'm thinking about it now as we talk, you know, I mean, he has had to heal internally from the scars of the external events, of course, that, that killed his family members. But, but, you know, he's, he's, he's had to, you know, bring those parts of himself together and, and forge a, a much stronger individual with true spiritual values. I mean, he is a spiritual guy. Yes. And a, and a psychological thinker, you know? Yes. Well, I, I absolutely, I completely agree. Now, but let me ask you this. How would he be as president? Because the stresses, and also the deep state threatens you, right? They, I, I'm sure that this kind of conversation happens to every every president that they want to control. They just say, look, the minute after you win the election, they just have a meeting with you. You know, deep state comes in. This is my guess. They come in, CIA, whoever, they say, look, you're going to do what we want you to do or we're going to murder your entire family. And I think, yeah. yeah. I think that's happened uh, in the past. Uh, and, I mean, Jesse Ventura told me a story. I did five books with Jesse Ventura and, and one of the first things he talked to me about was once he got elected independent governor of Minnesota, the first thing that happened was, you know, all, that suddenly he realizes there's a CIA in Minnesota. And they all said <laughs> to talk to him about how, you know, we're, we're with the CIA and we're, we're keeping tabs on you. And then, of course, he runs off to Cuba and goes to see Fidel Castro not too long after. But but because um, uh, Ventura didn't take any any crap either. But, uh, but, you know, it's it's it will not be certainly easy, but it wasn't easy for his father and his uncle either. I mean, look what they went through and how close we came when he was a boy in 1962 to, you know, Armageddon, annihilation, nuclear holocaust, uh, if, if the Joint Chiefs of Staff had had their way. And if those two brothers had not been in power, yes. then I would have been here talking. That's right. You're, talk, you're referring to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. 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 yeah we, were, we were so close to annihilation. We were, and, and, and so, you know, Bobby lived through that. And, and that's why he talks today about how he wants to, he's a Kennedy Democrat. He wants to be a peace candidate. He wants to end that war in Ukraine yes. and, and have a dialogue with, you know, a guy he really can't stand, Vladimir Putin. But, you know, he would talk to him. And well, to, well, right. And, and so did his uncle, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the way, if you're a leader of a country, you talk to other countries' leaders, which yeah. the current... Uh, the the Joe Biden group is not talking to Putin, and and so how how do we possibly avert World War Three if they won't talk to each other? But anyway, that's 
I mean, you can comment, but that's I'm getting carried away. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, it, it, it's just like there was no recently. I guess uh, Blinken went over there, but but to talk with uh, the China's premier. But before that, we wouldn't even talk to China. Yeah. And, and you know that that of course, like his the example that was set for Bobby was that his his uncle JFK through a back channel actually through yes. a private communication had this whole relationship with Nikita Khrushchev, his counterpart in the Soviet Union. And they exchanged personal letters over the period of a year after the missile crisis happened, aimed at let's let's end this thing. We've, we've got to stop nuclear testing in the atmosphere, or we're poisoning our entire atmosphere. And then let's let's cut back on nuclear weapons. And he and Khrushchev were, and even and with Castro too. You know, we we agreed we're not going to keep trying to kill you, and we're not going to invade your country, and and we'll take our missiles out of Turkey. I mean, there were compromises made in the course of conversation that basically saved the world. Yes. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that, that Bobby, I think, learned about and would be in a position to fight for if he was elected president in a way that, that we're not seeing right now and didn't see under the, the most recent leadership we've had. Let me remind our audience here, we're, we're interviewing Dick Russell, the author of the book called The Real RFK Jr., uh, Trials of a Truth Warrior. It's available now in audio formats as well, uh, as well as uh, uh, Kindle and physical formats. It's available everywhere. Um, Dick, let me ask you, knowing what you know about Bobby, if he were to be elected president, do you believe that he would stick to the integrity of his convictions of what he has promised to do? Or would he would he fold under pressure and threats from others? I don't think so. No, I, I, what I see happening is that he will stand steadfast with what he believes in and will fight for that in terms of what appointments he would make to cabinet positions or ambassadorships or especially federal agencies. You know, he would he would get rid of the people at the CDC and the FDA and the NIH and the EPA, you know, who are just in bed with these corporate, you know, thugs, basically, you know, the the, the guys who are just running roughshod over us and poisoning our atmosphere and in some cases, our kids. Yeah. And, and, and don't forget uh, the USDA in there, too. Yeah. The US, <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's a big supporter of, of regenerative agriculture. Absolutely. You know, he, and, and of, and of uh, alternative forms of energy. And, and that's, you know, and in getting rid of the subsidies for oil and gas. I mean, you know, these, these things are obvious, and yet they haven't been done in any kind of scale that, that we need to see happen to avert, again, you know, potential future catastrophe. Um, so uh, he doesn't want nuclear power either. You know, I mean, you know, nuclear is. We saw what happened at Fukushima uh, in Japan with the, with the terrible radiation spills into the ocean, and and uh, what's we also see what's happening to the ocean itself. You know, from from uh, warming the warming waters and the algae, and you know, the choking off the life and uh, of our seas, which we're so vitally dependent upon. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But uh, you. I'm sure you're well aware of this, but you know there is a there's a design of a nuclear power plant that has no no such risks as that GE uh, constructed plant in Fukushima. The problem is that in in a more more passively cooled nuclear power plant, they don't have the side benefit of being being able to produce byproducts used for nuclear weapons, right? Yeah. So, the, yeah. right. So there is a way to have nuclear energy that could be a whole lot safer, but Nobody wants to do it that way because they need the weapons. 
which brings us back to the war issue, right? It's yeah. war is such a racket, isn't it? It's so profitable for these companies that just, oh, you know, all this money that, that Biden announces or Blinken announces, we're sending this money to Ukraine. Actually, it's going, most of it's going to the U.S. weapons companies into yeah. their pockets. Exactly. Going to Lockheed Martin and yes. Marietta. Raytheon you know, or whoever, yeah. Beyond it to, to, to become richer by selling the, the weapons to, to keep this war going. And, yep. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and again, it's not that Putin's a good guy or Putin is right, but, but he is, I think one thing that Bobby has and others too, but he's pointed out is that we made a promise to the Russians, uh, back, I think when Gorbachev was still in power, uh, and the, and the Berlin wall fell and all that and communism disappeared supposedly. But, um, you know, we made a promise that we would not expand, uh, NATO along the, those borders of, of Russia and right. instead, I think there's 14 new NATO countries, and and Ukraine was going to perhaps be the next one, and you know that seemed to be, I guess, the last straw for Putin. I mean, so there there is that other factor that, uh, you know, and Bobby's gone through a lot over that. I mean, he, with the conversations at his dinner table, and you know, his son, his oldest son, Connor, who was in law school, uh, suddenly took off um, last year, in, in the fall, and just told his dad, he said, "I'm going to disappear for a while." Um, I don't want to tell you where I'm going. Just don't worry. I'll be okay. And and then he vanished. And uh, the only reason that Bobby knew had any idea, he and, he and his wife, Cheryl Hines, had any idea where, where Connor was, was they, they saw this credit card bill from east, somewhere in Eastern Europe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he ended up going to Ukraine on his own because he disagreed with his father at the dinner table. He felt like, you know, if you're going to the, – the, the plight of that people is so severe that I'm going to, I'm going to join them. And he went there and he fought with the Ukrainian army or with the with the foreign one of the foreign legion outfits, you know, for for three months. Um, I talked to him about it. Uh, he, you know, he faced death. He didn't know he there were, there were times he didn't know if he'd ever come back. Wow. And yeah, that's, it was. That's a kind of a living hell experience. I'm sure that shaped uh, Connor's uh, understanding of, of events. But critically, with if, if RFK Jr. becomes president. And I know he believes this. He would need to reestablish a a communication style with Russia where America could once again be believed to tell the truth. Because with with the Biden administration, they just lie, 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 lie constantly geopolitically. So Russia is what Russia has learned is that they can never trust what's coming out of the State Department, Blinken mm -hmm. or Victoria Nuland or Biden or whoever. They, they can't trust it. And if you don't have some level of trust, then how do you have a basis for communication? How do you have a basis for de-escalation? I think Bobby would help reestablish trusted communications. Again, we're not endorsing Putin or North Korea or Iran or whoever he needs to talk to, but he needs to be able to talk to them and talk us off the ledge of global annihilation. I'm, I'm, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's the way he honestly feels. That he's going to do everything he can through appointments and personal interchanges, uh, like his his uncle had had with Khrushchev. And if it you know if it takes a back channel, I mean they he, he told the story uh, tells the story of how they there was a guy with the KGB back in those days. I think it was uh, Bolshikov was his name, who uh, became friends with his father and even came over there to Hickory Hill. And and they knew that this guy you know the kids knew the guy who was with the KGB. That was kind of a big deal, right? But it was he who established helped establish this. This channel of communication uh, with Khrushchev that uh, that that and you know and took us 
much closer to to global peace than we we'd known before. Khrushchev, interestingly, you know, didn't make it either. Past he he was deposed in the, for the autumn of '64 by the hardliners within his country. So you had sort of a parallel event. It had already happened to right. to JFK, and uh, and of course when when uh, the letters indicate that uh, when when Kennedy was killed, uh, that Khrushchev was just you know he was in tears. I mean it, it really hurt him so badly that. Uh, this man who befriended him in a correspondence uh, had, had been taken off the earth. Yes. These these world leaders, if we could, if we dare call them leaders, more like crooks in many ways. They're they're playing with the lives. They're toying with the lives of billions of innocent human beings. And as, as we're about to wrap up this interview, Dick, I, I I just want to reiterate that I think I believe that RFK Jr wants to give power back to individual people to decide their own lives, to keep the product of their own labor, to make their own medical and health decisions, to live in peace without the threat of war, to live in freedom without the threat of surveillance or privacy violations or censorship. Uh, Would you agree with that statement? I would not only agree with it, I'm moved by the way you put it. I think it's, you nailed it all. And, uh, you know, I've had a number of talks with with Bobby and watched him with people, and you know, he's a, he's a, he's he's very open minded. He listens, he studies, he's willing to change his mind. Um, that I think was the great gift that his, uh, his 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 uncle and his father, you know, gave the world too, is that they were willing to change as human beings while they were in office. JFK started out as a real cold warrior. Uh, his brother Bobby, after he was killed, you know, spent months in relative seclusion, you know, reading Camus and the existentialists and the great Greek poets, and and suffering. Out of that suffering was born a a truly compassionate man who, when Martin Luther King was killed, you know, could address a crowd, a mostly black crowd in Indianapolis, and move them so that they would not and did not riot like was happening in cities all across America, understandably, after Martin Luther King was killed. So, you know, I think that's a, I don't know that it's an, it's an inheritance, certainly, in a sense, you know, that he, he has always valued. He wrote a whole book called American Values about what he took from his family, his, his experiences like that. And uh, I think he's raised six kids and raised them very well. And uh, I, I know them, and they're, they're all very different and all devoting themselves to one kind of public service or another. And, and I think that... Uh, you know, he's he's the man that we need at this point in our history. Well, uh, Dick Russell, I, I, I thank you so much for you undertaking this book project, putting so many hours into this and helping share your understanding of this extraordinary man with all of us. And I believe that if RFK Jr. were to become president, it would be a great gift to this nation and our world, frankly. So uh, let's let's see how history unfolds here. And I thank you for taking the time with me today, Dick. It's, it's been a pleasure. And I'd, I, I'm serious. I'd, I'd love to invite you back to talk about uh, JFK uh, on another, another episode here, if you're, if you're open to that. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that, Mike. And I really enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks for having me. You too. You too. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, t- take care then, Dick. And we'll, we'll talk again. I'll ask my producers to reach out to you to schedule. Folks, the book is called The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior. 
There's the audiobook and then there's the Kindle version here. It's on Amazon and, and I would imagine Barnes and Noble and other booksellers. And of course, if you'd like to support RFK Jr. in his candidacy, then go to Kennedy24.com. If you want to make a financial donation to his campaign, please do so before July 1st, because that's when it counts the most in terms of the election commission and even, I think, setting up for any possibility of debates on the Democrat side. And we want debates. We want Joe Biden and RFK Jr. to have not only a debate, but maybe a push-up contest as well on top of that. So uh, maybe both. How about that? Back to back. But thank you for watching today. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighton.com. God bless you all. God bless America. Thanks for watching. And now for our last clip. It is between... Man in America, Seth Holhouse, and ex-Illuminati, Leo Zagami. Uh, I don't know that you'll find anything real, really new, but like I say, it'll confirm what we already know. Alrighty, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Man in America. I'm your host, Seth Holhouse. So have you ever heard of the... The word that's whispered and talked about, and maybe you heard about it, you saw the dollar bill, the triangles, and everyone's accusing everyone of being part of the Illuminati. And the question is, is it real? Is it something that actually exists? Or is it some wild conspiracy theory? Well, my guest today, a man by the name of Leo Zagami, was actually part of the Illuminati. He was part of a long bloodline of people, of family that was part of the Illuminati. He ran a, a lodge, a, a Freemason, a Masonic lodge in Europe, and he was intimately involved in the plans of this. And it got to a point where he reached a crossroads in life where he decided that he could not go along with that anymore. And so he has had to flee his country, leave behind a child. He's now living in America, safer than he was over in Europe where his life was being threatened. And now he's devoted his life to exposing the plans, the inner workings, the individuals, the goals of the Illuminati. And I have to say, you know, and watch the interview for yourself, make up your mind. But I would say it's a very real thing. Whether you want to laugh at it or not, it's a very real thing organization, the secret societies, it goes deep. So uh, this is going to be an interesting interview. And look, this guy, he's written books and books I mean, thousands and thousands of pages, and he's got so much information. So I hope that you can just enter into this and think, okay, this is kind of like getting a lecture from a professor on the inner workings of the Illuminati. Uh, he talks you know, quite, you know, quite a bit, which is good because he's got so much brilliant information to put out there. So uh, folks, enjoy this interview with Leo Zagami. Leo, it is great to finally have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Always a pleasure to meet somebody who is a fellow info warrior of sorts, uh, who is trying to get uh, uh, the news out about uh, what really matters for mankind. So thanks for having me on Man in uh, America. You know, one thing I want to I want to look at is the uh, you mentioned Agenda 2030 and how we're seven years out from that, and I yes. you know you're seeing that uh, you know within you know, a lot of the political elites and a lot of the you know, people coming out of the, the WEF and the UN, they're talking about these agendas. And, you know, we look around right now, we've got, you know, wildfires raging, we have land grabs, we've got the 15 minute cities. It just feels like this agenda is really, really accelerating. And I know that back in, it was you know, kind of crazy, but back in 2015, in one of your books, you mentioned, you talked about, you can go look at it, 
that you said that in 2020, there's going to be a virus that's going to lock people in their homes and how that is going to be a significant part of this agenda. And so we've gotten through COVID 1.0. Now there's this article going around, there's a video from Alex Jones going everywhere talking about this specifically, about how the Biden admin is preparing to bring back full COVID restrictions in mid-September. And you can see the writing all over the place that they're that they're trying to bring this this back. But from what you're seeing, because I think that what's unique about the perspective that you bring is you're not just looking at these uh, in the, these events uh, through a, a a very narrow range. You understand the bigger plan like extremely well. So you know, with what what are your thoughts about kind of a COVID 2.0 coming back through, on top of all the other stuff happening with the climate and like you know. The, the new you know, discussion about climate lockdowns, et cetera, as we're heading into this COVID 2.0, what do you think about that? And how does that fit into the next stage of this plan? As we are transmitting here, I'm in Palm Springs, as you know, which has been uh, one of the main victims, let's say, of uh, this uh, overly hyped uh, uh, Hurricane Hillary. In any case, I can say one thing, and I want all our viewers to know that, and it's very so it's very clear to everybody. Climate change depends only from one factor, which is the sun. Everything else is propaganda. That's it. It's very simple. Once you you know you understand that there has been, for example, in the last couple of months, some of the most and in, in the last month, one of the most powerful solar storms that has knocked out satellites, then you know where this climate change is coming from. And it's not a human factor. And it's something, of course, humans like the Democrats are associating with a human factor because they want to then sell you their uh, electric grid and their electric cars, which is another way of controlling us. So now I explain this, of course, in volume seven, how the smart world is anything that smart is actually satanic. Anything that is called smart is actually, you know, a smartphone is a satanic phone, a smart house is a satanic house. Everything that is controlled by the AI generated world, which is about to to uh, do uh, literally a quantum leap because it's about to embrace the reality of quantum computers, which in volume nine I discovered being probably the biggest danger for mankind at the moment, because that's where cyber Satan will take over the show. So 2030 is the moment in which the AI fully manifest. Politicians at that point are declared, just like the rest of us, a useless class. And at that point, a limited amount of technocrats will power grab everything and from their you know, from their uh, castles, just like in the old days uh, with the feudalism, you will have techno-feudalism. You will have people with quantum computers that cost millions of dollars that can do things that you will never be able to do, I'm sorry, with your little computer. So you will be left in a very modest situation in front of a quantum computer that costs millions to, of course, maintain with helium, cooling system, and all the rest. And they will be able to destroy, first of all, the blockchain system. That means that your Bitcoin will be worth nothing. That's it. You can throw your Bitcoin out the window. That's it. It's destroyed. Blockchain is a system that people really heavily rely at the moment for a number of things. 
Well, that system in front of quantum computing is nothing. So who is behind all this? You know, and when I say cyber Satan, this is literally Satan's work. And when I say the fallen angel, I say an alien, I say something that we consider an interdimensional, multidimensional creature, which has a legion, a legion that has basically given us this technology with reverse engineering. And we have got it out of these so-called UFOs, but now that technology is a Trojan horse that captures all of us. And, and, and within the next seven years, that's when they will grab this last amount of, uh, you know, of, of people who are still going around thinking they can live freely. They will be just. So then at that point, how you come out of all this? You come out of all this simply by coming out of the grid, not living in cities anymore. Cities will be completely, uh, I mean, if, if you consider the possibility of living in a city in 10 years, well, then you have to consider the fact that you're going to have to be fully vaccinated with a number of vaccines that are infinite, that change every year, that will probably kill you. Because you said that, you know, you have, uh, you know, you actually said earlier, Leo, you, you have a, a different view of things from your own perspective. You can see things in a different way. Well, I can see things like, for example, this covid uh, upcoming uh, other COVID scare as another biological warfare which is inflicted upon people simply because either through that biological warfare, either through the vaccines, you will end up either castrating your, your yourself, your children, and everybody that comes after, uh, the infertility problem, the women will not be fertile, the men will not be fertile. They want to eliminate the majority of human race. They don't, they're not interested. And if people say, but they need us to buy their products. No, they used to need you to build the pyramids. But those days are over. Now they have robots. They don't need you. They have robots. They have the AI. They literally don't need you. You are called the useless class by you and Noah Harari. And that is basically a concept, of course, that I talk about in my book. So, I mean, I started to talk about the cyber sanitation concept, as you know, in volume 6.66. So I also explain how the Vatican involvement, how there is this link directly with the demonic world. But then now we are literally in a situation in which they are forcing us into abandoning the Homo sapiens because they want to create something new. They aim, their, their old aim has always been the same, immortality. The Illuminati are obsessed with immortality. That's, that's, that's their thing. Uh, it's just a constant obsession. It's been going on since the Renaissance in the castles of Europe, uh, in search of the philosopher's stone, the elixir vitae. Uh, you know, a lot of people associate, of course, with the making of gold, but it's also associating with immortality concept. So we can discuss maybe the making of gold can be more of an allegoric symbolism and all the rest. But in, in reality, transhumanism is the new alchemy. And this is actually something that the Illuminati themselves say. It's the new way for them to transform mankind. It's the new form of Freemason in which they can transform mankind. So I hope that uh, our viewers, uh, mine in America, understand that the, the importance of the times we are living and the importance of being informed about the times we are living in a correct way. Because there is so much disinformation and you can really get lost, you know, but I mean, when you're seeing something like this info, info regarding the next scare, the next pandemic scare, well, what's new under the sun? Nothing. We know, how, I mean, we know what they're trying to do. You know, we know that uh, uh, they already 
managed to uh, forge an election and the only way they can uh, create the same kind of forgery, the same kind of uh, uh, result is by locking people in their homes and then uh, getting us to vote in the same. So what is the surprise here? The surprise is that they don't want uh, Donald J. Trump. Is that a surprise? I don't think it is a surprise. I don't think it is a surprise because here we're seeing a president which is risking jail every day. And and, and so what is the solution, though? Well, the, the solution question. is for America, for America, the solution is this. Either we create our own communities off the grid and well-equipped for what is coming, which is a, a societal collapse at one point, which was, will, will, of course, not affect the cities. The smart cities of the future will be completely controlled, left, right, and center. But I'm not, I don't want to be there. I don't want to even enter them because I know that the moment I drive into San Diego, I have 800,000 cameras with, the, you know, with, with, with the facial recognition. I, I'm not interested in that. So uh, I want to live a different life. And I propose already from volume seven, the project of the great reject of creating alternative communities of the grid. At the same time, though, we are risking a civil war. It's obvious that we are risking a civil war. And if Americans are uh, accepting another result like the one of 2020, and then they think that they can literally do an assault on Capitol Hill like the solution of all problems. That is the most demented thing I ever witnessed. In fact, I was the one who went on Infowars at the end of 2020, warned people at the right at the last day of 2020 that the next week they shouldn't go to Washington because uh, for me personally, I knew what will happen. It was a trap. It was obvious that it was a trap. And I advise all my friends and a lot of people are still thanking me for, for, you know, for not uh, going to Washington and not getting involved in what became for many, well, a big problem for the future. I mean, you see, I mean, uh, Enrique Tario, I interviewed Enrique Tario and he's going to face probably 33 years in jail. And, and the same Joe Biggs who used to work at him. I mean, this is really sad. Their family is ruined. It's, it's a very sad thing. So I was, uh, I mean, you want to do a civil war? Well, then you have to constitute a militia, which is a military then at that point, becomes a military because it's a little bit like 1776 at that point. You have to have generals, you have to have, uh, so you have to have officers, you have to have not, uh, you have to have a whole range of soldiers and stuff. I mean, it's not a joke. It's not just an assault on Capitol Hill with a few flags and magazines. I mean, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And it's actually then puts us, not only we give the possibility to the enemy to describe this event, like some kind of 9-11 event, which was completely rubbish. You know, we all know that by now. But then, of course, the persecution that followed, the FBI, which is completely corrupt. The FBI that basically works as the Stasi uh, of, of, of Eastern Germany these days. And it's just uh, like punishing the political opposition of uh, the person who is in power. This is not America. This is really not America. And so I think uh, that in 2024, there will be really the decision uh, for the future of America. And there shouldn't even be this presidential uh, candidates opposing Trump and the GOP. That is ridiculous. There should be simply Trump reproposing himself and this time possibly winning with the support of the whole party. This whole internal squabble 
uh, it's weakening the, 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 but at the same time, let's remember one thing. Uh, whoever goes to Washington is going to be weakened the moment it arrives in Washington because unfortunately, the republic is a great thing. Democracy is a great thing. Okay. We can elect our leaders and they go to Washington. But unfortunately, that is also a very weak position when you have uh, your enemy, which has a dictatorship, which is like completely on one man focused. Vladimir Putin in Russia for the last 20 more years. The same can be said for Xi Jinping. And these people will stay there until the end and they will be able to do things that uh, we are here every four years having to debate, debate, debate. In the, in the battle for the future of the world, and, 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 and this battle is against also a materializing force, which is alien, which is the AI. Well, that is the weakness. And, and, you know, we can, we, we see it. Everybody goes to Washington. Everybody gets by. Now, that is the weak position, really, of the Republic. The fact that, and, and you can't buy a king. You can't go to Prince Charles and say, I want to buy you, Prince Charles. They tried. And actually, I think uh, there was some discussion that he might even fallen for it and, 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 and given a title, a royal or some kind of title to somebody just for, for some interest. And that is something that still lurks in, in the closet of Prince Charles. But now he's King Charles. He should, of course, he's in a, unattachable. No, he's a guy that you can't go to King Charles. I want to buy you. How much do you cost? Um, uh, you can't do that with a, with a royal. You can't do that with a guy who is in charge of his kingdom. And you can't do that with Vladimir Putin in charge of Russia or with Xi Jinping in charge of China or with Kim Jong-un in charge of North Korea. This is almost like monarchies. So you are here debating, 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 and China in the meantime buys the whole Democratic Party. They even have a big Masonic lodge of Chinese people here in San, in San Francisco, which is one of the biggest ones. They buy. They they they, they simply you know make their shopping. Who is in, who 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 can we buy today? Who is for? And I'm not talking only about Democrats. There is also a lot of Republicans. So and it, it's it brings up a a question actually that I I, I so I know in in one of your books I think it was maybe volume eight I forget which one. You talked about how the basically the the Illuminati, the the controllers, how they they their favor has shifted from the West to the East, and how they they've kind of abandoned the West in support of a China led New World Order. And there's a lot of Dino Russian, let's say China Russian. Exactly. New World so there's a lot of people, especially you know on the more conservative side of things that say, wow, look, you know, Putin is fighting the deep state and Xi Jinping fighting the deep state and they're going to help free the United States from the deep state. Um, whereas I'm concerned because I know what life is like in China. Right? I've done a lot of human rights work you know, related to that and it's not good. Uh, so can you explain that? Because like, if someone were to come to you and say, look... China is doing the interest of Chinese. Russia is doing the interest of Russia. America is not doing the interest of America. Simple as that. So until we don't understand the, that we need to put people in charge who make the interest of our country and forget all this rubbish that has been, unfortunately, uh, populating American politics, because American politics has a very weak spot. And when it comes to financing you know, your politicians, and then the money influx, and then all the dirty interests that have appear in Washington, you see, well, we need a completely new 
political class that is not made of corrupt people like the Bidens who arrive in the White House or like a, a mafia family that is uh, uh, taking over this, that, and all the other. Uh, okay, how much money you can make, Hunter? How much money you can make, my brother? How much money you can make, my sister? You know, this is like how... This is a crime. It's a crime and it's a family that continues to indulge in crime. And we permit it. So our weakness is to permit all this. Permit Joe Biden every day to wash off of this with a laugh. <laughs> and, and we are supposed to accept that? Well, that is our weakness. So I, I, I hope that, of course, Trump uh, manages in some way to save the day. The problem is that inevitably, if Trump wins, this will still trigger internal problems just like if Trump doesn't win, it will trigger internal problems. So the big problem here is, will the United States stay united or will it separate? And then at that point in the separation, you know, like in all divorce, <laughs> there is some problems, you know, who takes what? And <laughs> so, so I hope that we don't arrive to that. Uh, but I see it happening when I, I don't see a United States of mind here in America. While before, uh, regardless of our political, uh, you know, regardless you were Democrat or Republican in the 60s, until the 70s, you were still part of the American dream. And so that was it, you know. Above all, if you met an American abroad, you were American. And nowadays it's not, it's not the same thing. It's Democrats, it's Republicans. Wherever you are in the world, and they are really bitter the way the, the, the Democrats in particular um, don't accept anything, uh, even a thought from uh, the Republican realm, which means the death of democracy. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have to do, it really doesn't have to do with what you believe in. Either Republican or Democrats, they each have their issues. It's about the fact that one wants to prevail on the other and doesn't want to listen to the other, which is something that hasn't happened before in the history of America. So a man in America today, it's, uh, of course, uh, uh, watching all this, thinking, maybe I can't help all this. I'm just going to indulge in drugs. I'm going to indulge in drinking. I'm going to... Uh, and, and it becomes uh, a, a sour loser in a way sometimes, or maybe just a loser. And, 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 and at that point, he, he thinks, no, we can't do anything. Well, to those people, I say, America relies on you. Clear your act up because you need to fight the war, which is coming, and you need to do it with a clear mind. So that is also a very important thing, that we can't indulge in what the system wants to feed us because the system wants to feed the useless class, like Harari himself admitted, with video games and drugs. And then, you know, you stand there on the couch. It's just like... This pandemic was filled with the QAnon disinformation operation. Now, there is a lot of people that still figure out that QAnon is a good thing to have on board of this conservative movement because it, uh, no, it's not. I don't see it that way. And so on the contrary of some of my colleagues who still indulge uh, in, 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 in wanting to, uh, you know, accept this QAnon nonsense, I denounce it as being a disinformation operation which brings you some truth with a lot of lies, though, that can lead you to the terrible consequences of January the 6th, 2021. And it's an operation led by the AI. 
because behind the whole QAnon project, there is a PSYOP unit that generates this info with AI. So if you want to be enslaved by cyber Satan, continue to follow the lies of QAnon. And, uh, and, you know, but uh, people like me, Alex Jones, David Icke, and everybody else that, bef- you know, that was before QAnon, because QAnon is a rather recent phenomenon. When, you know, people should understand why did they suddenly bring into the equation this QAnon thing? And we don't know who generates this info. And at times the info could be interesting, could be fascinating. Uh, you know, we're talking about the ray of light, see things that and all the other. Now, stop the speculation. Let's consider the facts of what is happening here. And the facts is that you only have seven years before the AI will take over your, your, your civilization. And at that point, you know, we will no longer even have political representatives that pretend to represent us. No. We will have simply the AI. And dealing with an algorithm is not really something uh, very democratic, as you know. So it's either, you know, one plus one is two and it's never three, and that's it. So I'm in front of of a country that is in decline, but I am still positive that people like me, you, others, can maybe, uh, thanks to also the the, the benefits of, of... of having a guy like Donald J. Trump fighting for us. Now, I don't know if that's going to be successful and if he's going to manage, but I really pray that in 2024, he goes back into the White House, at least to to manage to preserve the last remains of American democracy before the ultimate takeover, which will be inevitable in any case. And we'll have to push many of you right now to decide where to be in 10 years from now. 2033, don't be in a position that is weak because you're not going to be able to get you and your family protected from what is coming. You have to produce your own food. You have to remember that, like in volume nine, one of the biggest concerns that I have and I push through is like insect farming. It's not just to make you eat insects is because you are what you eat. And so you become an insect. And because insects have always been portrayed as demons since ancient times, the insects are basically these powerful tools that they want to use to submit us even more into the realm of being just, you know, useless class. Eat your, eat the bugs, eat the bugs, eat the bugs. And then you have, of course, this lab-grown meat, which has just been accepted for public consumption here in the United States of America. I mean, it's a monstrosity. GMO. GMO, it's a most Guys, GMO. It's a monstrosity, guys. And, and I, when I arrived here in America and I went through the aisles in the supermarket and I was like, oh, oh. And, and when I made the mistake one or two times, Sweet GMO, I felt so sick. I mean, my stomach immediately feels bloated and I I can't eat that stuff. I'm sorry, guys. So remember that they want to kill us. So they're not going to give us some nice things to eat. They're not going to make it easy for us to survive. So you have to wake up to that. And, 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 And when it comes to 
the the the, the, the witchcraft uh, that is I call the insect witchcraft. Well, remember that the Theosophical Society is behind the United Nations, and the Theosophical Society is expecting a sort of messianic figure, which is Apollo. Apo- Apollo. Apollo was the god of the locust in ancient Rome. It's not uh, a positive figure, the god of the locust. Uh, the locust, uh, like many other insects that they want to put on our table for public consumption, is something that shouldn't be close to our table in any way, shape, or form. So w- we are really being put uh, in front of all this evil, and a lot of us, unfortunately, wash it off uh, in, in hope that they can survive it, you know, and, and 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 so they they give in, they give in. But we never need, you know. Once you give in, that's it. You will and, and and you will decline. And you see it already from the people who gave in during the pandemic to to the vaccine. You know, they are already in health decline. And and, and I'm sorry really to see all these people uh, feeling sick and dying every day because uh, it's not right. But they made a choice. A lot of people say, but I, you know, I could have, uh, you know, I couldn't renounce to it because uh, they, they wouldn't permit me to work and I had to feed my children. Well, now you, you know, once you die, who's going to feed your children? Yeah. And will your children take that vaccine and end up sterile, end up with big problems in the future? Well, you, that short-term solution really is, is, is not the solution. So thank you for giving me this opportunity today, Seth. Oh, of course. And I knew it would be a, a very just interesting interview covering a lot of different things. I know that in your in your books, you cover a thousand different topics in 10 different ways each. And so there's just, there's so, it, it's such a complex thing to understand how this all works and what's behind it. And, and I agree in, in a lot of ways with a lot of your, your, your takeaways. It's just that we have to become more resilient. We have to become more independent of their system. Um, before we sign off, though, I just want to bring up your website here. This is where I've oftentimes gone to to read your information, read your articles, uh, which is leozagami.com. Um, and also, you have your books on here, or where are the where are the best ways to find yes. your books? You, you can actually go on leozagami.com and you find the links to all my latest books. So otherwise, you can go directly on Amazon. But as you can see, the links are uh, on my website already. So you can accede from there directly. And I advise people to read the books because, you know, books uh, like mine are very, uh, are very, are very complex and at the same time, they're very detailed. So they end up being almost, most of them, 500 to 600 pages. And it's not topics that you can really bring on the table in one hour or two hours. No, uh, no. So they're it, textbooks. We it's like they're, they're for studying. <laughs> they're yes, they're yes. dense. So, yeah. Scratching the surface. Uh, is good because now people can have a sense of what they can find maybe in my work. But, you know, these uh, books are made for preparing people and for laying the foundations, hopefully, of a different society in the future. Mm -hmm. This is the hope that people like me and you in some way, you know, we we are trying. I, I decided, you know, when I was in Italy and I became president of Italians for Trump, I really thought at that point in my life, uh, maybe ingenuously, that maybe some kind of help for Italy could come from America uh, again. But then I understood America needs actually to help itself. And so the best thing I could do was actually to come here and become America rather than, 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 than 
trying to help America from Italy or trying to wait for some help from America to Italy. And, and, and I think that Europe is already been taken over. So there is no possibility for Europe to come back uh, and, 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 and be a relevant participant to the discussion because they are in the hands of these Satanists to imagine. Like I read in my last book on the 1st of May of this year, we're doing an exhibition in the gallery of the, of the European Union with uh, Jesus surrounded by drag queens and other monstrosities. So the, the, the thing is, you know, they are pushing transgenderings because that is trans, it's going beyond. And from beyond that, you're going to go to transhumanism. And, and so the transformation of man into a monstrosity that uh, in 10 or 15, 20 years from now will be unrecognizable. You will see people in the streets that will be half man, half cyborgs, half animals, half I don't know what. And this, because we are permitting it. But of course, I don't want uh, in my family to follow this trend. I want my family to follow another trend. And I hope the family of mankind that we are gathering with this video and, and, and with the work that we're doing uh, helps building something new. Uh, so I'm, I'm still positive. I'm still positive. I still uh, think that uh, we, we can save part of humanity, but we will not be able, like some people have thought, you know, especially in the in the QAnon community, or the, uh, we can save everybody. Everybody will be saved, and we will suddenly have everybody understanding the truth, and woo, we will have uh, this moment of illumination that is like, you know, uh, Paul on the way to Damascus. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. 90% of the people probably, in Italy we have 93%, getting vaccinated of the general population of 60 million individuals, those 93% are finished. The Italian race is finished, is dead. Now, America was more resilient, resisted more because we resisted the lockdowns more. We resisted the impositions more here. And I was very glad to be here to see and witness the, resi the, the, the resistance really of the American people towards this uh, this uh, concept uh, of, uh, yeah, they, they actually call the resilience themselves, you know, the leftists. But in reality, we have been at least uh, uh, perseverating, you know, in a group of people, I think, here in America. I don't know, how, long, how many you think here in America have not been vaccinated? What is your percentage? I, you know, I've talked to a few different people about this exact thing, and though they, they, they have the numbers they publish, I, my mm -hmm. gut is that it's less than 40% of the people that could have been. The official, what are the official numbers? Ah, gosh, I haven't checked it recently. It was 60, 70%. I mean, it, it was okay. up there. Okay. But I, I think it's actually okay. much less than what they, because that's what they do in America, especially with the, with the manipulation. They say, Absolutely. oh, the polls shows this. And a lot of people don't have, they don't have made their mind up. They say, oh, that's what the group is doing. So I'll go with it. Uh, but I think actually a lot of people, uh, while a lot of people did get it, I think that a larger portion of people did not, and especially now that they're, they're just they're they're awake to it. And those who did get it, I think now well, they, they know this America that during the pandemic it was much more easy for people to fake uh, what in Europe was this uh, you know this uh, card where it will give you your medicinal status, your COVID status, your COVID card, however you want to call it. And so people uh, didn't have in, in Italy instead, it became all immediately like in the rest of Europe and in some other countries uh, like South Korea or whatever, 
all connected to apps and digital tracking, and you couldn't really fake it. You couldn't, you know, just show some kind of paper saying, oh, I've been vaccinated. Let me into your restaurant. Let me eat. That doesn't happen. Here it happened much more. So definitely, like you said, there's probably many, many people that didn't get vaccinated and survived. Uh, We saw also that a lot of people died within the minorities, which were probably the ones that were more brainwashed and took the vaccine, (laughs) unfortunately, because, uh, you know, they were forced into it by their political overlords, which is the Democrats. So I I think, though, that people really have realized a lot of things in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, I had somebody who, you know, I used to know many years ago, and suddenly saw on his Facebook, he said, you know, after three vaccines i finally realized i have a a problem now with my heart and i was like geez man he finally realized it wow (laughs) it's like realizing that you are hurt after shooting yourself three bullets in 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 your feet you know i mean oh yes i'm hurt well yeah you are hurt you of course you you now have a permanent problem you should have listened to people like me uh, that uh, have uh, always said that that wasn't the right solution. And that's why I got all my channels removed from YouTube and all that uh, over and over again. But uh, we, we have to persist and we have to also convince even the most skeptics people within our family. I had my own mother who after two vaccines suddenly realized that it was the wrong thing to do. And she said, oh, you were right. You were right. And said, well, <laughs> Thanks God, thanks God you realized now that I was right. And the same things for, for, for my brother who suddenly felt sick. And I was like, you see, I'm living on the other side of the world. I don't really have much contact with them. They did what they wanted to do. I don't, I'm not somebody who goes around preaching to my family to do things. I mean, I told them what was my view. They decided to do what they wanted. My mother herself actually said, well, darling, here with a very British accent, I'm doing it as an experiment. I did everything in my life. I had the Asian flu. I had this. I went through the war, the missiles from the Nazis. I, what else? I said, well, if you want to experiment, it's up to you. If you want to play Russian roulette too, I said, you know. So, so, so I mean, she played Russian roulette and she realized after the second one that it was a bad thing. So and she started to have consequences, unfortunately, for her health. So it, it is about, uh, you know, giving the possibility of people to do their free, you know, I, they're free to decide what they want to do. Free, so, I, you know, if you want to play Russian roulette, you can do it. For me, it's no problem. But don't come back after to me and say, well, I played Russian roulette and I got shot. <laughs> of course you got shot, idiot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope that this is clear and that people realize that the Illuminati Call them the Illuminati, call them however you want to call them, uh, this New World Order, the Sabbatean Frankists and the Jesuits. Who, well, Jesuits are basically the ones in charge of the one world religion, which is coming together. Sabbatean Frankists are more, of course, in their nature, in charge of the uh, economic side of things. But these uh, forces that control our world want us to die. I know, it might, you know sound as a novelty for some people, but wake up. They want us to die. So if they can kill us in any way, they will do it. You just need to realize that and and to not take their advice on anything, especially if it comes out of their mainstream media. 
So uh, men in America think uh, that I was able to cover quite a few things today. Yeah, and, and we ended on uh, some good points there, which is just resist, do not comply. Uh, Leo, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I encourage folks to check out your website, uh, your books, uh, You know, follow you. Uh, just follow what you're doing. So thanks again for coming. It has been a, a, a pretty mind-bending conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I mean, uh, of course, we could have focused on many things, but I think we focus on the things that matter most yeah. for, for, for people who are watching us at the moment. And as we don't have much time and we need to work fast through this uh, process, also making people aware of the importance of the 2024 elections, as well as the future and what the future holds for us, regardless who, who wins the 2024 elections, because the attack on the American way of life has just started. And, and, and we need instead to preserve what has really made America special. The American dream is a dream not only for Americans, but for people all over the world that believe in it. And uh, the people in America have the responsibility to perpetrate this dream also for the generations to come and not transform it into a nightmare. So God bless you. God bless America. And thank you for having me on. Great. Thank you. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.